Greetings folks and welcome to the Geek Pod. Today we're going to be talking about some of the more common controls that you will find on a handheld radio. Now this by no means is going to cover every single handheld radio made because that's impossible. But we're going to cover some of the more common things. Typically on a ham radio handheld, on a commercial radio handheld, on a CB handheld, you're going to have two knobs up on the top. One of them will have a click type feature that will turn the radio on, and it also serves as a volume knob. And you'll also have a knob that's labeled squelch. Now, as far as turning the radio on, a great majority of them have the power on built into the volume knob. Can you run into radios that don't have that? Of course. In which case you're going to have a power switch which on modern radios is going to be like a little circle with a line through it and you hold that down and that turns the radio on. Now the downside to radios that have the electronic type of on-off switch is that they slowly eat battery because they're never completely off. If you have a radio like these Bofangs, they have an actual click switch on them that turns them on. The TYT, there's a TYT uh, turn on sound. The TYT radios do also. A lot of radios have a physical click power switch. Good thing about that is when a radio is off, it is really off. If you have a radio that has a button that you mash and you hold down to turn it on, that's a software type of turn-on feature. That radio will slowly eat battery. So if you're going to be storing your radio for a long time and it's got one of those software type on-off buttons, take the battery off because the radio is slowly eating away at the battery all the time. It's never really completely off. Now let's talk about squelch. What the squelch does, it acts kind of like a barrier to noise. It's not a filter. What it is, it's think of it like a wall. You have noise on the other side of the wall. And as long as the noise can't jump over the wall, you won't hear it. Now the moment that the noise can get over the wall, you're going to hear it. Squelch acts like selective hearing. It lets you adjust the amount of noise that has to get through before the speaker will turn on. It is not a filter. It is not really like privacy gatekeeper or anything like that. All it does is it silences the speaker when there is no signal. So you don't hear that type of thing all the time. So you adjust the squelch to the point where it just silences the speaker. You don't crank it all the way up. If you crank it all the way up, somebody's got a weak signal, you're not going to hear them. You don't crank it all the way up. You turn it up just to the point where it silences the background noise when there's nobody talking. The and that's referred to as white noise. Well, you turn the squelch up just to the point where it silences that, so you don't have to hear that. Some people don't mind the noise. If you don't care, then fine, leave the squelch wide open. It doesn't hurt anything. It just annoys the heck out of some people. Now, moving on. 
the next button of interest, which all two-way radios have, the PTT, Push to Transmit. That is the button on the side of the radio that you mash, and it makes it transmit. On 99% of the handheld radios out there, it's a button on the side that's rectangular. It's kind of large. makes it easy to get to. You squeeze it, and the radio transmits. There were some oddball Motorola FRS handhelds that had a button in the middle. And you basically would squeeze the face of the radio to make it transmit. That's the oddball. Great majority of them, there's a button on the side that you squeeze and it makes the radio transmit. That is your PTT. Moving on from there. You will probably have a menu button. Due to the number of features that many of these modern radios have, they have menus. So you can go in and access features that are not accessed all the time. That's the reason they do that, because if not, they'd have to put like 100 buttons all over the front of the radio. So they put things into proverbial folders, which would be in the menu. And you go into the menu, and then you could access some of the features that you don't normally access. That's what the menu thing does. That's what it's for. There will usually be some up-down arrows. So if you hit menu, you hit the up-down arrows, you can toggle through what the different features are in the menu so you can change them. Now as far as how to change them, that varies from radio to radio. You might have to bust out the manual and read it. Sometimes you can go into the menu, toggle through the list of features, and then you could hold down the up-down button to change something. On other radios, you have to hit a function button to do it. It varies from radio to radio. But YouTube University is your friend here. Just know that that menu button gets you into the extended features of the radio. And then how to get out, you're either going to have an exit button or you're going to hit the menu button again, and that gets you out in some cases. In other cases, let's see. Let's check on this Bofang right here. So I got menu. Oh, look at that. So on the menu for the Bofang, which, by the way, the Bofang radios, I don't care what box you put them in. By and large, they all operate the same way. You hit menu to get to the menus. You hit the up-down arrows to change through the different menu choices. And while you're in there, you hit the menu button again to be able to make a change on what that menu item is. That's how it works on the Bofangs. And then you hit exit to get out, or you just let the radio time out, and it gets out. Or you can hit the PTT button, and it gets out of the menu feature. Multiple ways to get out. Now, this varies from radio to radio. So... The only thing they have in common is you hit menu, you hit a different feature set of things you could do. Now, moving on from there. You're going to see a button on ham radios that says VFO slash memory or V slash M. What that button does, it's it lets you select between accessing the pre-programmed memories on the radio or it lets you access the VFO, which is when you manually select a frequency, either using the keypad or maybe if your radio has a tuning knob. Not all of them do. Some do, some don't. If it has a tuning knob, then you would 
turn the knob up and down to change frequencies, which can be kind of tedious and time-consuming. It's faster to just type it on the keypad. But the VFO lets you manually enter in frequencies. The memory side is so you can access stuff that you have pre-programmed in. That's what that V slash M button does. Now talking about buttons, when you look at the keypad, great majority of ham radios will have a keypad that looks kind of like the keypad on a cell phone where you have uh, the numbers 1 through 0, well, 1 through 9 and 0. And you might have the pound symbol and the asterisk. Well, not only is that for numbers and characters, but also if you look at it, they'll usually have some text on them. And that is to access features. Some will have A, B, C, D, E, F, so forth, because some radios have the ability to send text message digitally. On others, you might see uh, acronyms for different features. And the way that works is, if you look on your radio, you might find a button that says F. F stands for function. So you can hit the function button and look at the display and see if a little letter F pops up. If a little letter F pops up, then you go ahead and hit one of those buttons that has the text on it, and it should activate that feature. On some radios, it requires you holding down the F button while you hit the second button to activate its secondary feature. But that's what that F button is for, and that's what the text on the buttons activates. It lets you get to a specific menu item real quick. Now, going back to the Bofangs, which are very common, dime a dozen, that's why I keep referring to those. On the Bofangs, you hit the menu button, and then you hit one of those specific keypad buttons that has the text on it, and it takes you straight to that menu item, which is kind of cool. It's a shortcut. That's what that's about. Now, moving on. Another button that you will find on many ham radio handhelds is MON, or MONI, M-O-N-I, Monitor. If you mash that button, what it does is it opens up the squelch. So if there's a weak station out there that you, you thought you heard somebody, but they came in real weak and it, it isn't getting through the squelch, you could just hold that button down without having to adjust anything on your radio, and it opens up the receiver all the way. And you'll hear all the noise. You'll hear everything out there. So you can try to pick up whatever it is that you heard that briefly came through the radio. That's really good for when you have a weak station you're trying to receive and you're walking around trying to find a spot where you can hear them the best. Hit that monitor button as you're walking around and that'll let you find the sweet spot where you're receiving that station the best that's possible. That's what that monitor button does. Now a new button that's popped up on a lot of the Chinese radios that we didn't see before is the call button. You're going to have some kind of uh, call or emergency button, typically near the PTT. And that puts these little Bofang radios into this very annoying siren mode that drives people crazy. There is a legitimate purpose for that. Remember that outside of the United States, these Bofangs are used for business everywhere legally. 
I mean, here they get used by security companies and all kinds of stuff. You're technically not supposed to use them for that. However, in the rest of the world where the radio laws are a lot more lax, these little Bofang radios get used for all kinds of stuff. And that, that call button puts the radio into an emergency transmit mode where it sits there and transmits a siren sound and it makes a siren noise. And the radio can be programmed with a unique identification number, which it will transmit. So the other people that are carrying one, when they hear that siren noise come over their radio, they look at their display and it shows the number of the radio that's in distress. So you can go figure out, hey, who's having a problem, and you can go find them. This is a feature that's oftentimes abused here. Uh, people just use it to make noise on repeaters and be obnoxious. But it has a legitimate purpose. Let's say you have a group of volunteer search and rescue folks. You program everybody's radio with a unique identification number. And then if somebody does have an issue, they get bit by a snake, they fall, they break a leg, whatever it is, they can mash that emergency button and just hold their radio up in the air. And it's going to transmit their specific number to everybody else that has a Bofang. And they'll be able to see, oh, uh, unlucky number 13 is in distress. We need to go figure out where he is. It's a way of declaring a radio emergency. A lot of the Chinese radios have it. Uh, the American radios, the commercial radios have it. The ham stuff, uh, the radios that are sold for the U.S. market, the ham stuff typically does not. But commercial radios do have it. They might refer to it as a man down button. And just about all these Chinese radios that have an orange button on the side, that's what that button is for. Now, some of the other features that you might see. A little picture of a lock or a picture of a key. This one can really mess you up if you don't know what it is. That is a keypad lock. The way it typically works is you hold down that button and the radio will beep at you and you look at the display and on the display you might see a little picture of a lock or a little picture of, a, of an old key. That disables the keypad. The idea is so you can put the radio in your pocket and you don't accidentally change frequencies, activate features, so forth. You can throw your radio in your go bag while it's on, if for some reason you need to have it on while it's in your go bag, and you won't accidentally activate features. That's what that's for. Now, if you don't know about that and you accidentally activate it, you're going to be sitting there mashing buttons and, man, why doesn't my radio work? Well, it's because you accidentally locked it. All you got to do is hold down that button, the radio will beep, and it will unlock, and you can tell via the display. Now, talking about the display, some of the common things you will see on a ham radio handheld on the display. You might see the term CTCSS, or they might call it PL if it's a Motorola radio, or they might just call it Tone all the same. In order to cut down on the amount of interference that you may receive on your radio or the interference that might get into a repeater, we use something called tone. And what tone is, it's just that. It's a 
audio tone that's transmitted at a very low level. So through your little speaker on your handheld, you typically can't hear it because the speaker can't reproduce it. And there's also some filtering in the radio to prevent it from getting through to the speaker. But there's a whole bunch of these different tones. Uh, I forget the number, 20, 30 of them. And the idea is if we're using a shared frequency, I can program my radio to transmit one of these tones. Uh, a real common one in the area that I am at is 94.8 hertz. So you turn the radio feature on to transmit that tone, and everybody else turns on the squelch with tone. And what will happen is the radio will not tr uh, pass audio. The speaker will not turn on unless it hears somebody transmitting, and they are using that tone. It's a way to cut down on interference. It doesn't make the interference go away. What it does is it prevents your radio from activating the speaker and blasting audio unless it hears somebody transmitting with that tone. It's a way of turning on selective hearing, so to speak. This is real common for amateur radio repeaters. In order to get into an amateur radio repeater, you usually have to have a tone, a PL tone, to get into it. Now, the whole term PL tone is technically trademarked to Motorola. That's why you might hear it referred to as PL tone. You might hear it referred to as CTCSS. You might hear it referred to as just tone. If you're dealing with a GE product, it might be a privacy guard. Uh, there's a whole bunch of names for the same thing. And all it is is an audio tone that your radio can transmit and that it could also listen for before it activates the receiver. So you might see something on the display that says tone or says CTCSS. Same thing. Now, tone can be one way. You might have your radio transmitting tone to the repeater, but on the receive side, you have it disabled. You just you want to have your receiver open for anything that's strong enough to break the squelch. So you don't have to run tone on receive. You could just leave it open so you could hear anybody and everybody who transmits if you want. But there are times where you have to set your radio to transmit tone in order to be able to turn on a repeater system. You also have DPL, which is digital tone. Instead of transmitting an audio tone, it transmits a digital code. That's a three-digit number. And that number can be normal or inverted. So when you look at the tone charts, if your radio does DPL, you might see where it says DPL and it has a number. Or it might have a number and an I. That means inverted. It's just another way of encoding the number. The only thing that matters to you as a user is that whatever your repeater uses, that's what you need to program your radio for. And that allows you to get into the repeater. That's what that's for. If you're using your radio on simplex, which means direct, user to user, no repeater, and you're somewhere where there's a lot of random noise or maybe there's other people sharing the frequency, you can turn on 
the PL on your radio, both transmit and receive. You do it on both radios. And that will at least uh, afford you a little bit of sanity. This by no means gives you privacy. These are not meant for privacy. Because I can hear every conversation on the radio by mashing my monitor button. If it's out in the open. If it's analog conversation, I can hit the monitor button and I can hear everything. The whole tone thing is purely to cut down on the amount of noise that you hear coming out of your radio that has nothing to do with you. It just activates a way of selective hearing, but it is not privacy. Don't think that by turning on a PL tone or a DPL that suddenly nobody can hear you. No, it doesn't work that way. Actually, in the ham radio world, you cannot legally run any form of encryption. So even if you're using a digital format, it must be out in the open. In other words, none of the encryption features have been turned on. It's illegal to use encryption in the ham radio world. So none of this stuff offers you any kind of privacy. All it does is it keeps your speaker from turning on in the event of some random noise or a bunch of other users in the area. Now going back to the display. What other information might you get from the display? Well, if it's a ham radio, it's going to show you the frequency that you're on. When you push your transmit button, if you're talking on a repeater, and the repeater requires you to shift frequency, the display on the radio is going to shift the frequency. It's going to show you what tr you're transmitting on, and then it's going to revert back to what you're receiving on. If you're on a commercial radio, it might not do that. There's a lot of hams using commercial radios. If you're on a commercial radio, it might show you the frequency that you're sitting on. And when you hit transmit, it might have a little icon to indicate that, hey, you're transmitting through a repeater or something. It might not shift frequency. Now, also, depending upon how the radio has been programmed, maybe it doesn't show any frequency at all. And it shows a channel number or a channel name with all of these modern radios, you have some versatility that you can program things like that. So if instead of the frequency I want to pro program in the name of the radio club for that channel, I can do that. You don't have to have the frequency, but that's just something that's going to show up. If the radio is transmitting with a tone, it's going to tell you tone or CTCSS. It's going to show you something like that. And if it's a ham radio and you're going through... A repeater on the display it might say DUP that stands for duplex and then it's going to show you DUP with a plus sign or a minus sign that tells me okay I'm transmitting through a repeater the radio is shifting frequency that's where this whole duplex thing comes from you're using two frequencies instead of one and it's going to give you an indicator of if you're shifting up plus sign or you're shifting down minus sign which way is the shift it depends what you're using if you're using UHF the shift is positive and it's 5 megahertz this is how you would program the radio if you're using VHF the 2 meter stuff you'd be using a plus shift or a minus shift depending where you are on the band you gotta see what band you're on and what the shift is and that's going to be available on the repeater guides. Now what else is on here? Let's see, I have two of these radios in front of me right now. And 
I think we've pretty much covered everything that's standard with the exception of some of the hardware which would be your antenna jack and your accessory port so the antenna jacks on handheld radios over time the antenna connector has changed due to whatever the common and cheap technology is currently SMA is the type of connector you will find on the majority of amateur radio and business band handhelds it's very common now SMA is a very small coaxial type connector it's just like the one that they use on the wireless Wi-Fi routers for your house it's a, it's a connector like that prior to that the connector of choice at least on the ham handhelds was the BNC and you'll still see a lot of old handhelds floating around with a BNC connector on them it's a very common connector you can get adapters for any of these so you can hook it up to some coax and you could use your handheld connected to an antenna on the car or even to an antenna on your house but keep in mind that the receiver on your handheld radio is not the best as far as selectivity so if you hook it up to a big antenna it might receive all kinds of garbage that it doesn't know how to deal with it gets overloaded it gets saturated so hooking up your handheld to an antenna on your house is not always a good idea the radio may not work all that great now let's talk about the accessory port the port where you can plug in your speaker mic a headset so forth there's a number of them that look the same but they're not the same there's two configurations that you'll see on the ham stuff which is either a single pin or dual pin and the wonderful thing about standards is there's so many to choose from because everybody thinks that their standard is better than everybody else's so there is no rhyme or reason to these connectors because it's got two pins and if it's a Bofang doesn't mean you can plug it into an ICOM you might be able to plug it into some old Kenwoods but not all of them some radios use a single connector and then the wiring on that single connector they'll use a single connector like the old uh, headphones used to use but the way that they wire it is not consistent from one brand to another it's all done to force you to buy that manufacturer's stuff and it's annoying but this is the world we live in so can you get adapters yes uh, companies like MFJ for example sell adapters that let you plug into let's say if you have a Yezu with a single pin connector it will allow you to plug into there uh, an ICOM type hand mic for example it looks kind of goofy but it works so there are adapters for it but just because it has two pins or just because it has a single pin and it looks like it fits your radio doesn't mean it will some will not physically fit the pin separation is different some will be electrically wired different whenever you're trying out a questionable headset or hand mic that you've never used before plug it in and pay close attention to your radio make sure that the red transmit light doesn't immediately go on if it does chances are that's not wired for your radio if the red transmit light doesn't go on okay you're in business let's see what happens next thing is uh, tap your PTT button and see if uh, 
if that works properly, if people can hear you, you know, do all the rudimentary checks because just because it plugs in doesn't necessarily mean it works with your radio. And, and that's kind of the bummer with the accessory jacks. Now on the ham stuff, they tend to use pin type connectors, like a single pin or a dual pin type connector. If you get into the commercial radio world, specifically the stuff that uh, uh, is meant for like uh, law enforcement or firemen or what have you, that's a totally different ball of wax and your accessory connector is going to be some kind of proprietary connector unique to that radio line. And it's going to have more stuff available. It might have the ability to have uh, channel up down, remote antenna, uh, not speaker mic, uh, might have the ability to give you a full-blown keypad on a handheld. It could do a number of things, but you're going to pay dearly for that. And the commercial radios are a lot more notorious for revamping things every time they change a radio line. At least with the ham gear, they tend to stay with a proprietary design for longer. So your ICOM mic might not fit your Kenwood, but that ICOM mic might fit a whole bunch of different ICOM radios, not just one specific line. Just keep in mind that just because it fits doesn't mean it works. You need to test it out and be careful. If you plug something in and the transmit light immediately goes on, quickly unplug it. Don't leave it that way. You might be hurting your radio. I hope you guys have found this information useful. And until next time, this is the Geek Pod.